0: Leadership Show with Andy Pack.
1: Welcome to the show that aims to help you lead according to God's purposes. From a young age, I used to travel with my dad on his trips to farms on the Isle of Wight. He was a sales rep for an agriculture merchant and was calling on farmers to check how they were doing to keep them happy and secure a new business of animal feed and fertiliser. His company restructured and my dad and a few others were made redundant. He found another job in the same area, but he wasn't happy. And so very soon he decided to form his own business together with a former colleague who has now sadly passed away. So we had a caravan at the top of the drive, which became an office for his start-up agriculture merchants. It's now known as Pex Limited, and it competed with the company that had given him his P45. And became the largest merchants on the island. Fast forward 50 years and it's still being run by my brother though operations now include a wider range of haulage. There's something exciting about a startup whether a business like my dad or a church in a new neighborhood or even on a smaller scale a ministry or a group. Well this week I'm joined by a man who is excited to see Christians developing faith based startups that bring Jesus into their communities. His name is Bill Woolsey. He's a pastor having planted a church in Houston, Texas in 1997, which he saw grow from seven families to 1600. And he now helps equip entrepreneurs through the ministry 5-2. I'm looking forward to chatting with him and discovering principles which can be transferred to your setting wherever you seek to use your influence for God. So welcome, Bill, to The Leadership Show.
0: Thank you so much, Andy. It's great to be here with you. And and what a great story about your dad. Uh, The fact that you had a front row seat there to the crazy and risky, world of having an idea and wanting it to come into fruition. That's fantastic.
1: Well thank you. I of course when you grow up you don't know that these things are
0: unusual. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's right. just like
1: like you, this, this is what you do, you know.
0: <laughs> you don't realize how crazy it is, you know, and it just to the older you get, right, you realize your dad was like, and your mom, I'm sure, is like, you're gonna do what? And <laughs> this thing's gonna work, you know, and you sure and how much money is it gonna cost us? All that stuff. Well thank
1: you. Uh, you don't realize growing up that this is not normal. So where did your interest in startups begin?
0: You know, uh, my interest from a standpoint of I could articulate it didn't start until I was a pastor and uh, I was the guy who was always responsible for evangelism and congregations and and I just naturally would uh, I guess I understood that you had to start new things to create some momentum and reach new people and get new people involved and we actually have a phrase starting to reach new. But it, when I really look back, uh, my mom uh, was an entrepreneur. I mean, uh, you know, she had a real estate license, real estate business, and then she ended up buying a, a, a kind of a country store with a barbecue place at it. And I worked there in high school and college. And so I think it was all ingrained, I'm sure. You know, it just seemed logical to me probably, or it wasn't like you said wasn't unusual, but really, as I became a pastor, God had always put on my heart uh, through a series of values and people uh, a love for people who didn't yet know Jesus who who didn't realize they were his people you know before they were his people and uh, so I just always loved that and I always wanted to make the faith relevant to them. Uh, and, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of that's how it all happened. And then I was invited to plant a church. Uh, my family and I, we always thought we would do that, but in my denomination, the model is they parachute a guy in and good luck. Uh, but we took a different approach and we said, what if we started this church from the very beginning with multiple staff in place? Uh, you know, kind of a, what we would call a large staff start. And what if we convinced our denomination to loan us money for land and, and get us a line of credit. So again, not really thinking it through, we approached it like a business and, uh, God, God blessed it. You know, I mean, a series of providential stories that you couldn't really repeat, uh, but we happened to be there at the time it it went down. So, uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of where it was, you know, wanting to see new things start, reach new people, the excitement with that, and and just uh, I love getting people on board and mobilizing people from an Ephesians four standpoint. So it it just all kind of came together.
1: That's fabulous, uh, Bill. Now, of course, one of the early questions you get asked is where does five two come from? And of course, I'm I'm wondering if it comes from from a Bible verse or something, but uh, it actually comes from a Bible story, doesn't it?
0: it comes from a from a miracle of Jesus the feeding of the 5000 where he used five loaves two fish to uh, multiply resources for a crowd of over 5000 you know people probably close to 8 or 10000 uh, it's one of the only miracles that's in every gospel and and so it's it's a very critical one from the standpoint of hey it's everywhere we should pay attention to it and and the the teaching when we started five Two, our network back in 2009 i had a series of friends who were all church planners i invited them into west houston where our church was and we spent 24 36 hours just saying how can we help you know further the kingdom and support those who are on the front lines uh and we landed in mark six uh the mark six account of the miracle and in that account jesus only speaks twice and each time he speaks, it's a it's a command in the Greek. It's an imperative. And the first time he talks, uh, the, the disciples come to him and say, "You need to send the crowd away. There's you know they're, they're hungry." And he commands them, "You give them something to eat." So he holds them accountable for the the reality of their community, you might say. And and then they go, "Well, this is going to be crazy, and it's going to take half a year's wages. You don't want us to waste that money, yada yada." And he says, uh, go and see how many loaves and fish, you you know, there are. So he commands them to go back into the crowd and look at resources. Now you got to think in all those people, they could have found more. So you kind of figure they just go, we'll show Jesus is all we could find, you know? (laughs) Uh, And, and he brings it, they bring it back. He multiplies it. So one of our, we have two core principles here. The first one is abundance from scarcity, that, Uh, really from their perspective, uh, there was no way to do uh, the job he wanted them to do because they didn't have enough resources. And everybody who, who approaches us, this is one of their biggest things. Where's the money gonna come from? Where are the people gonna come from? And we say, let's put that at the end of the train. Let's focus on what Jesus wants you to do. But the other thing that he stressed there that we take and we teach you is that the resources you need are already there in the community you need to go find them you need to take jesus at his word and then let's bring them to him for multiplication even if it, they appear to be uh you know not not enough so it's been phenomenal that god led us there that's really what drives us that's why we took the name you know we were sitting there in 09 bought the url actually we've been approached when you say this about uh, intermittent fasting you know it's not that or anything like that but there is actually a food company in the us that sells food uh, stuff and it's five two network and they approached us wanted to buy our url and we were like sure everything's for sale for a price but they didn't like our price so <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> well, that's a great great story so the kind of startups that you've um you've been uh, you've observed or helped with bill give us a kind of a snapshot of the kind of things that um that have been involved with
0: we we are all over the spectrum uh, because we if you're a Christian and you want our two outcomes so we have two outcomes of financial sustainability and then more people knowing Jesus if you'll agree with those we'll work with you uh, and so we've worked with uh, smaller things of just you know passion issues of, Uh, a support group for single moms, Puerto Rican moms in the Bronx in a very Puerto Rican neighborhood, led by a number of women who started in that situation, to uh, large uh, homeless ministries in Mesa, Arizona, uh, a a wonderful uh, uh, sex trafficking ministry in Detroit, led by a former police officer, Detroit police officer. She's an incredible woman, to a huge... uh, helping uh, moving, uh, it's a moving food, it's a food, a mobile food ministry in Orlando, uh, to just recently, you know, working with a number of, uh, they're not solopreneurs, but they have teams, but they're in a group that I'm facilitating. And uh, from, uh, you know, uh, guys from hedge funds who are now launching more tech stuff to a 19 year old who wants to do more of a nonprofit. So it really, it spans the, the gamut. Uh, we've worked with a lot of nonprofits, of uh, people who want to, at a certain point in life, they want to make a difference and they're ready to switch and change. We help them understand that nonprofit doesn't mean you have to be poor, uh, but it means you have this cause and, and you're really giving back and you, know, you don't own the nonprofit, the board owns it per se. And, uh, but to also for profits of uh, business endeavors, and really helping those individuals understand that they shouldn't that that to silo their faith, to separate their worship from their work, is uh, is a is a false dichotomy. That uh, I'm I'm not really sure how it happened. I, I guess I am kind of sure. I you know even in my denomination there's this high view of the the pastor uh, as opposed to the priesthood of all believers, and really the role. Paul would say in Ephesians 4, the role of all these offices of apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher is to equip the saints for the doing of ministry. So that's what we do. And that's what I love doing and seeing all the new creations that God has started through these people. Bill, the, um, the word passion can be overused, um,
1: but obviously you need some kind of basic enthusiasm for what you're doing. <laughs> and I'm, I'm guessing you're, you're going to say that's that's at the heart of of when people come to you, if they haven't got that, that's a big, a big flag uh, at the very start.
0: Yeah, Andy, you know, we do, if you're in our, if you're in our program and our training and it's a higher risk, we recommend you go through our assessment, which is a very in-depth uh, behavioral, It's, it's actually a job success analysis assessment because we know the things you need to have in place. To be successful in in our model of startups, where it's very team driven, uh, what character traits you need to enjoy and behaviors you need to enjoy, uh, and and passion, we use that word a lot in our training. Uh, we talk about the passion God has given you, and usually when people come to us, they haven't fully articulated that. So they usually come to us with an idea, right? You know, I want to you know, start this or build this or, you know, have this product or something like that. And rarely do we find people who have really thought through who this is for. And so what when we work with you on the front end of, of calling, uh, we want you to understand that God has called you to a particular person, a particular people group. And, and if you can get in touch with that and understand through your values, through your experiences, who is he put on your heart? because there are a zillion ways to reach them or serve them, you know? Uh, So if we can get you really tied into that, then that individual, they trust you really love them, that you're caring for them. They're just not a notch on your money belt or something. Uh, That's where then we can get you in a a lane that you're self-motivated. You know, I don't have to say, how's it going? You're actually moving it forward, that kind of thing. So passion is overused. Uh, basic enthusiasm, yes. Uh, but, you know, we are looking for you to have some desire to what we call influence. You, you could call it sales. Convince people about your cause. The number one thing we do look for in a person is cause driven. They're very externally focused. They want to see something happen. And I guess you could say that would be our way of saying passion in that standpoint.
1: And, Bill, uh, I'm sure it's the same in the United States as the UK. Uh, A very high proportion of certainly ventures and businesses fail within the first, Hmm. I think, five years or so, something like 90%. Um, So uh, have you learned anything along the way about how you can decrease that percentage amongst the groups that you work with?
0: Well generally speaking uh the you know and we we saw this in church planting and around 2012 we morphed into really more of a focus on lay driven efforts because that's a bigger field but generally speaking if you if you go through an assessment process so Uh, where where you understand how God has wired you, and then through our values discovery, you become very self-aware. So it's Jesus-aware, and then you-aware, self-aware. That's one key thing. So understand who you are, what you're gifted to do, what you need others around you to handle. That's a big part of it. The second one then is some kind of training that takes you through a process that is a proven process. And so you know, our, our signature proven process is this combination of Mother Teresa meets a friendly Mark Cuban thing. That's what we call it. But it's, it's theology interwoven with a business model concept. Uh, and so we use this business model approach and uh, lean startup principles. You don't spend a dollar before you, you should. So that's second. So training that's practical, hands-on, process-driven. And then thirdly, so, assessment, training, third one is, is some kind of coaching, some someone walking with you uh, who has been there, but understands this is not their startup; it's your startup. You know, they're just here to make sure you avoid the what we call fatal failures. Those three things, if 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 you have those in place, and you and you're <laughs> humble enough to listen, you know, because that's another issue, uh, that drives your success rate. Significantly up, uh, you know. There, there's a there's a lot of discussion or theories about why startups fail, and the two you kind of boil down to uh, one of them is the founder just gives up. He or she says, "I've had enough," and you know, I can't keep paying the price. But at the end of the day, it fails because you you don't have a customer who wants what you have. So you, and churches see this, right? They're in communities and they're worshiping a certain way. They're doing a certain thing. And the people around them go like, I don't want that. You know, that's of no value to me. So if you have a founder who, especially if they're cause-driven, somebody who's supporting them, they've got some good training, which includes testing or iteration or flexibility to kind of listen and learn that, that helps you move that forward.
1: And uh, Bill, you mentioned on your website that you're concerned to bring the presence of Jesus into communities. And you just said, that's one of the key things you've got to be, you know, concerned to, to, that people find Jesus. In practice, of course, um, lots of businesses end up missing out on that aspect of things. Uh, certainly charities do the same um, in the UK, or what you call non-profits. Um, they, do, they do some great physical care work perhaps but they they struggle with the verbal dimension. I'm not I'm not mm. I'm not making a big dichotomy between the two because it's all a, a part of it. But often there's very little fruit a number of years later because that side of things have been missed. Is there anything you've learned over the years that can help leaderships retain that passion for Christ's centered proclamation?
0: You know Andy you're and you're spot on. At the end of the day if I don't use my words to speak of Jesus, uh, allude to Jesus, point to Jesus, you know, give him credit uh, in, in some form or fashion, then it it simply appears like I'm a good guy or you're a good guy, which does the other guy no good uh, eternally, right? And, and so it is very critical that the leadership, and, and I would say from the founder on out, uh, has to have a comfort level uh, and an appropriateness. And I understand with litigation and I understand, you know, and cultural concerns and all that kind of stuff, but uh, of, of really giving credit back to God. And then we have a whole module in our training on how to share Jesus in attractive ways rather than offensive ways. And in the model we propose, which is, Uh, you know, I I was big in ethics, and my whole training was going to be in ethics and how you apply your faith into the real world. And one of the best methodologies is to do it through questions. Uh, You know, Peter tells us in 1 Peter 3, always be prepared to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. And so how can I show respect to the person even if they never come to believe, you know, how can I help them belong before they believe in essence, but at the same time, uh, when we get to that point that they're curious, how can I uh, do that and and share with them that reason for the hope that I have, and so we encourage you to use a method of questions, hey, how's it going for you, how's it working, you know, what do you believe, you know, is that working out for you or not, and oftentimes if, if I ask and listen, I'm building that behavioral uh, response for others to ask and listen, or at least ask. And then we would just simply say, what are those stories that of Jesus? And, you know, it reminds me of a time about a story of Jesus where, gosh, you know, he was hungry and everybody thought this was impossible and he did a miracle and they fed 8,000 people. That's it, I, I've just I've just introduced Jesus, makes you think. Because what we do know, at least in the U.S., I don't know how it is in the U.K., but in the U.S., Jesus is still a highly respected person historically. Over, over almost 90% of the population believes he really existed. So they think he was a real guy. The question is just what kind of guy was he? Okay, was he God or not? So you've actually got uh, a commonality, uh, but it's where you veer into forcing him on people. that. So I would just say as a founder, start out early with your team. How is prayer incorporated into your culture, and and how is your giving glory and credit to God incorporated, and then in times of compassion, how are you sharing forgiveness and grace? Okay, and then if you're if you find yourself you're already leading a larger company, or your company grows, and obviously it's gonna it's gonna have more nuances to it. Uh, I would I would encourage you then to take those principles and those behaviors but then in your leadership team never fail to give to give credit and never fail to point jesus but you're right it has to be words in some fashion respectful not not driving and directive uh, but they have to be there
1: no, thanks bill and uh, just for your to comment on your reflection on the uk it's, it's probably a little bit less high in terms of percentage of people who believe jesus was a person here but but certainly there would still be a a currency that would still make some sense
0: all of your muslims believe he was real well indeed okay. absolutely. <laughs> so, yes. so the two lar- world's largest religions for yeah. the most part would say he really you know existed, exactly so. yeah.
1: yeah indeed and so final final thing bill is is to talk a little bit about your your training approach you've hinted at that along the way and and how perhaps listeners could uh, benefit and connect with with the kind of approach you have. Some of them will be maybe interested in startups, you know, business, but some also with with church planting kind of things. So, mm-hmm. uh, tell us a little bit about uh, how they could connect.
0: Super, and yeah, well, the easiest way to connect to get you just some idea, you can go to startnewtraining dot com slash mini course, uh, m i n i dash Uh, if you go there, you can just get a, it's a free, you know, three session kind of intro to what we do. Uh, but if you look at our training, Andy, we're focusing on build fund and launch. So we want to help you build it well, then how are you going to fund it? And if you're a nonprofit or for-profit, we encourage you to always have an earned income stream and a donative income stream. And so if you're going to do a for-profit, Consider also starting a nonprofit as part of your cause of your of your organization, uh, and then vice versa. If you're a for, if you're a nonprofit, how are you providing services and having some kind of revenue stream? Schools, whatever it may be, preschool. But then launch. How do you launch well? Uh, how do you pitch? Uh, how do you build? You know, ownership around that launch, and then we have a planning process. In the build section, in the very beginning, we focus, as I said earlier, a lot on calling. What's your calling? What's your venture's calling? Uh, you know who is that person, and then we reverse engineer everything around that individual. And using our business model canvas approach, uh, we make sure you focus on your partnerships and what 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 resources are there in the community. Because usually, if you're going to be a local based or like your dad on the Isle of Wight, you know he had a geographical uh, focus there. Uh, then when, when you do that, one of the things we tend to neglect are all those partners that are there. And, and oftentimes, somebody's had the idea before you, you're usually not a brand new idea. But nobody's had the spot to say, here's the leadership, we're going to pull it off. So those partnerships are real important. So if you go to start dot you see our, our, our curriculum. It's uh, you know, we try to price it very inexpensive. Our donors help us do that. Uh, but if you want the free mini course intro, then just go to that start dot backslash mini dash course. And you can go from there.
1: Well, Bill, it's been fantastic to chat with you and sense your enthusiasm for this. And uh, <laughs> you know, there's going to be a lot of, uh, of us who are gonna be stirred up, I think, to maybe even wonder whether some of those ideas in the back of our head actually ought to come to the front of the head and actually out into some action. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Andy. And I pray that that does happen. We, We work with a lot of individuals who get to that point in life, they're 45, 50 and go, you know, I've always wanted to do this and maybe now's the time. So if that's you, we'd love to hear from you. Or if you're just starting out, you're kind of wondering, uh, you're the type of person uh, as a follower of Jesus that we'd love to invest in. So thank you so much. Well, thank you.
1: That was my conversation with Bill Woolsey, the founder of 5-2. If you want to connect with the 5-2 network, then go to 5-2, as in the numbers spelled, dot .com. You can access the free training and there's actual paid for training there as well if you want to go further. Whether this is your kind of thing or not, Bill reminded us of the importance of checking whether you have the temperament and skill set for startups and to make sure you have a team around you with the breadth of skills that can make your venture succeed, whether this be a business or charity or church. So why not take his assessment or use another one online. It's one thing having an idea it's quite another being the kind of person to execute it. I was also impressed by his advice on the importance of keeping your mission alive. It's easy to slip into the mode of being a basically good nice business or charity or even church when God is looking to reach people through you. If you've enjoyed the show there are plenty more like it. We have an archive of hundreds of conversations I've had with Christians and leadership it's available on the Premier website, premier.org.uk, or also on the podcast platforms that you may be listening to this on. We believe this show helps people lead according to God's purpose, which is never to be arrogant or overbearing, but to use our influence for the benefit and blessing of others. So as I close, may God help you to do the next right thing that can influence those near you and those who you are in a position to lead. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 9.8 said, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. May that be so for you in the week ahead. This is Andy Peck, looking forward to your company again next week. Bye for now.
0: The Leadership Show with Andy Peck. Email
1: andy.peck at premier.org.uk